Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. With Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu reiterating earlier this week a pledge never to allow Iran to get nuclear weapons, global events are seemingly taking hold that may impact Jerusalem's political capacity to act. Therefore, in recent weeks, both covert and overt moves and counter-moves have seemingly been pursued by all relevant actors trying to secure their own aspired course of action to assure a common goal to thwart the Islamic Republic of Iran from attaining nuclear weapon capabilities. To discuss those events and analyze their implications, we're joined from New York City by Dr. Oli Heinonen, who is the former Deputy General of the International Atomic Energy Agency and a distinguished fellow at the Stimson Center in Washington, D.C. Welcome. Thank you. Also joining us from here elsewhere in Jerusalem is Brigadier General in Reserve Yossi Kupelwasser, who is the Project Director on Middle East Developments at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. Welcome. Thank you. And with me in the studio, sitting in for Amir Oren, Dr. Nir Bums, thank you for joining today's panel. And I'd like to immediately dive into today's topic. Give us a broader understanding. What are the latest developments pertaining to Iran's aspirations to attain nuclear weapons and the various factors surrounding that? Well, thank you, Jonathan. Well, the JCPOA, or the Joint uh, Comprehensive Plan of Action, is five years old. Uh, and uh, in 2018, following uh, President Trump's decision to withdraw from the agreement, uh, we've seen a different uh, dynamic and an added pressure. Uh, sanctions and other means, uh, not to mention uh, cyber warfare, in order to uh, prevent Iran from advancing. Iran, on the, on the one hand, they've actually advanced somewhat and violated a number of times uh, the principles of the uh, JCPOA. And now the discussion is back on the table, mainly following the United States, uh, the, the American elections. Uh, President-elect Biden had announced that he would like to rejoin the JCPOA. Uh, and the Iranian seems to think that this may be a good opportunity now to uh, uh, perhaps go back uh, to uh, uh, the uh, trajectory that has been somewhat comfortable or convenient for them. Uh, this prompts uh, a significant debate, uh, including a meeting earlier this week uh, uh, with the European uh, foreign ministers of uh, French and Germany and Britain, basically saying uh, we would like to uh, uh, find a way to come back uh, to the JCPOA. And then the question remains, uh, what will be the next phase from here? And if there's going to be a path of return to the JCPOA, will it be the same JCPOA or will it be a different one? Uh, President Trump actually signaled that he would like to renegotiate terms for a new JCPOA. President Biden uh, will have to get back to the same question and uh, see if he uh, will be able to uh, negotiate uh, different terms for a potential agreement with the basic understanding that uh, there may be uh, uh, at least an initial will uh, to go back to the negotiation table. So despite Iranian aspirations, it seems like uh, there is going to be somewhat continuity because 
everybody in Washington wanted to renegotiate a deal. The Iranians just didn't uh, want to do it with the Trump administration, hoping to get a better deal vis-a-vis uh, -vis Biden administration. But uh, I'd like to focus and, and uh, refer the next question to you, uh, Dr. Heinonen. Uh, the International Atomic Energy Agency has come out last week with uh, a, a clear statement saying the Iranians are increasing more and more their uh, capacity to enrich uranium, not only the capacity, but also the volume thereof, uh, and is making strides towards uh, that end. Uh, are we expected to see somewhat of a new report uh, demanding uh, accountability from the Iranians, considering the fact that also uh, uh, in that same uh, announcement by the IAEA director general, uh, he came out and uh, uh, basically reprimanded Iran in, uh, in lighter terms, uh, over it uh, not really providing truthful information with, our, uh, with regard to uh, uh, questions that uh, IAEA inspectors had with regard to findings uh, in uh, Iran. What can you tell us more about that? Thank you. I think it's a good time to take a stock on the implementation of the JCPOA. We have now five years behind us. In December 2015, the IAEA board handled or reviewed the document called Possible Military Dimension. As we see now today, Iran was not very truthful in its declarations and statements to the IAEA. There are a lot of things to be still explained by the IAEA and confirmed, explained by the Iran and confirmed by the IAEA to make sure that all those nuclear weapons related activities indeed have been dismantled, they, that they have not continued after 2004. This was one of the prerequisites for the implementation of uh, JCPOA, that Iran comes clean. And now we see all these things in Turku, Zabad, Tehran site, etc. So that is a matter of concern. Then the other matter of the concern is then the enrichment program itself. We see that Iran went and installed additional centrifuges to underground facility in Natanz. This is not just a simply removal of some experiments from above ground to underground. Because when you do that, you actually set up the whole infrastructure for those other types of centrifuges underground, namely IR2M, IR4, IR6. So you put certainly one cascade, but you put all the infrastructure around it, which will give Iran an opportunity to ramp up quickly the enrichment if it decides to do so. And then the third element is the signal of a warning which the Iranian parliament passed in a terms of a law. Uh, proposal a couple of weeks ago, which obliges, is approved by the legislative system, the government to ramp up uranium enrichment in a very short period of time, in a three-month window, reduce radically the cooperation with the IAEA, and eventually stop the implementation of uh, perhaps additional protocol, and these extra measures which are there to monitor Iran's undertaking, like production of uh, yellow cake, manufacturing of centrifuge rotors, etc. So we have multiple choices ahead, and I think that important is to realize that the JCPOA in its current form doesn't work. Indeed. Uh, General Kupelvassel, what is your perception uh, of uh, the current situation vis-a-vis -vis the Iranians, and to what degree 
Is Israel alarmed about uh, the Iranian capacity at this stage? Well, I think that uh, we are concerned with the Iranian situation in the uh, nuclear program at this stage because the Iranians shortened the time needed for them in order to have enough uh, uh, enriched uranium to a military level uh, for a first uh, nuclear device. And we stand today at uh, something like uh, three months and they uh, installed the new centrifuges this time become short, become shorter and shorter. And uh, we have to be very careful that they don't cross this threshold that separates them from having enough uh, fissile material for first uh, nuclear device. But that said, the alternative that uh, is presented by uh, the Europeans, Russia, China, and some people in the Biden uh, new administration is that uh, putting Iran back on the same course that it was beforehand, which was no threshold in 10 years. That's, uh, that's the alternative. And we have to be very worried about this alternative because this will guarantee that Iran will have a large arsenal of nuclear weapons in 10 years. Here, what we are uh, dealing with right now is preventing Iran from having enough material for a first nuclear device. And this crossing this the threshold is very dangerous for Iran because this is what uh, I think Netanyahu said, and this is what uh, Israeli's position, Israeli position is all the time, that we shall uh, not tolerate Iran crossing this threshold. I think the United States should reiterate its position that it will not tolerate Iran crossing this threshold. Same with the IAEA. The IAEA is to say and they are very worried and afraid to be blunt about this matter, that uh, this, is the, this is where we stand. Now, we have to remember, according to the JCPOA, the Iranians were supposed to be one year away from having this sufficient quantity. Now they are about less than three months away. It's, uh, this is a very dangerous situation. We have to bring the Iranian back. But the way to bring the Iranian back is not by going back to the JCPOA. The way to bring the Iranian back is by clarifying to them that the Biden administration, too, will not tolerate any attempt to get to this point. And uh, as uh, Mr. Heinen said, Dr. Heinen said, the, the, in, in Iran itself, there is a debate about whether we should uh, consider this option or not. Uh, they have not decided yet to do that, but they are improving their conditions to rush into this uh, situation where they have enough quantity of uh, uh, fissile material for first uh, nuclear device. And we have to remember that the amount of uh, enriched uranium to a level of four and a half percent that they have accumulated already, like almost two and a half uh, tons, is, uh, is enough to produce more than just one nuclear device. So within five months, they have two. And then, uh, now they, have enough, they may have enough material for two. It's, uh, it's, we have to clarify that we shall not tolerate a situation where Iran have the capability to produce a nuclear weapon. And that's uh, what is most important. I hope that uh, what Israel will be able to do is to convince the Biden administration to say that. And I'm not going to speak now, maybe later, on the, on the sequence that uh, have to be followed in order to uh, bring Iran to the, to the right place and not to the dangerous place where it is mm -hmm. either now or under a renewed JCPOA. 
Dr. Bombs, you spoke earlier about uh, the meeting between the three European uh, uh, foreign ministers, uh, German Foreign Minister Eko Maas, uh, Dominique Raab of uh, Great Britain, and uh, Jean-Yves Le Drian of uh, France. Uh, during their meeting, they had a comprehensive discussion about uh, the, the various possibilities of re-entering uh, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action or reigniting this deal, which is uh, uh, practically non-existent at this stage. Uh, but I, I want to ask you about uh, uh, their statement, which uh, in light of the statement that was made by Mariano Grossi, the, the director general of the International Atomic Energy Agency, toward Iran, in which he said that they are indeed in breach and warned of their increased capacity, uh, they also came out and called upon Iran to re-enter the deal, uh, indicating basically that Iran is out of the deal and the fact that it's repeatedly calling on the United States to re-enter the deal, it doesn't mean that it is in the uh, so-called right within uh, the, the confinements of uh, uh, UN Security Council uh, Resolution 2231. Uh, but I'd like to uh, read before you a response by uh, Ali Khamenei, the supreme leader of uh, uh, the Islamic Republic, who said, Iran's presence in the region and the issue of Iran's missiles have nothing to do with the UK, France, or Germany, particularly when they themselves possess destructive nuclear missiles. They should first change their destructive intervention in the region before saying anything. W what's going on there? Well, I think what's going on here is part of the difficulties uh, of uh, getting back on track to the JCPOA that are not just dependent on the American decisions to get back to it. There are some difficulties there as well, but also on the part of Iran. So first of all, the report from the IAEA spoke about uh, 2.5 tons uh, of enriched uranium, which is 12 times the amount approved under the confines of the JCPOA. So that's a breach uh, of, the, of the agreement itself. In Iran, uh, you have hardliners, and you've just quoted uh, a statement coming from the Supreme Leader uh, that uh, say that we do not need to get back uh, to the JCPOA. Iran needs to uh, continue and follow on track. And you have other forces that are calling uh, to renegotiate, mainly to uh, uh, get alleviation of the uh, maximum uh, pressure uh, strategy and the sanctions uh, that uh, Iran had to uh, endure. Um, so part of uh, the difficulties in trying to get the JCPOA back on track has to do with uh, two dimensions. One, is it going to be the same JCPOA? And then what will else will be negotiated? Uh, in the continuation of what you've asked uh, uh, General Cooperwasser uh, before, Israel's concern is not just about the Iranian and, and the, the nuclear framework. It also has to do with the ballistic missiles program and with broadly with Iranians plans around the region, terrorist activities, um, and the sanctions over uh, and the ability to stop some of these activities. Uh, if there's going to be a framework that is able to stop Iran or, or limit some of these activities, that the JCPOA framework may be a different one, and even one that uh, potentially and under some conditions, uh, there's going to be some in Israel who may even welcome this development. And this is partially where when uh, the Supreme Leader comes with a statement and says, no, you should, there are some things that are not going to be negotiated, and if it's going to be negotiated, we're already stating the terms. So if you will, on the one hand, it's maybe a negotiating strategy saying this is our framework or our terms of reference, or uh, it's an attempt to uh, preempt an internal debate in Iran and then in other places of what this JCPOA will look like if and should we get into negotiations at all, or should we uh, uh, try to leave things as is because the situation uh, uh, at this point is something we can still uh, uh, live with. 
uh, and we would like to prioritize uh, the uh, weapons program uh, on the economy and the alleviation of sanctions, uh, which is the currently the hardliner, the, the hardliners in Iran uh, are calling for. Dr. Ainonen, in the past you uh, defined uh, the ballistic missile technology uh, or ballistic missile program of Iran as one of the uh, crucial components in order for Iran to build uh, a nuclear weapon uh, and uh, under relevant UN Security Council resolutions, uh, the United Nations actually called upon Iran to refrain from uh, uh, developing uh, ballistic missiles capable of carrying nuclear payloads, including technology uh, related to that, uh, something that the Iranians uh, evidently have defied and uh, uh, regarded as uh, irrelevant uh, in their eyes, and they succeeded in uh, uh, sending such a missile into space uh, in order to place a satellite there, according to uh, uh, their own statements. Now, uh, to what degree uh, is the Islamic Republic in a stage of being able to develop a nuclear weapon? How far are we from such a point? And is Iran actually capable of doing so uh, without the international community actually noticing? And please, if uh, you may, in layman's terms. Yeah, thank you. It's a good question. And this goes back to this, that what kind of new JCPOA type of agreement we would like to have? It's a little like uh, you have a rifle and you have a bullet. Bullet is the nuclear weapon, rifle is the missile. So we don't solve the problem just uh, stopping the production of uh, bullets when guy already has a rifle. And our dilemma here is that the JCPOA, it, it, it really didn't, and UN Security Council Resolution 2231 really didn't address this issue. So I think that as of today, I don't think we know, really know what is the capability of the Iran's missile program, not only to, to have a intercontinental ballistic missile, but also this uh, short-range, medium-range missiles. Are they, have they really been designed to accommodate nuclear weapons? Where do they stand? And in my view, most of these questions were left unanswered when the IAEA dealt with the possible military dimension of the Iran's nuclear program. That was an opportunity which the international community lost. And since there has been no monitoring in the last five years, we really don't know. But this is one of those which uh, needs to be addressed. And unfortunately, it is going to be difficult because, as we see, Iran puts the preconditions. One precondition for the other parties is that you first fully implement all your obligations under the JCPOA. Second precondition. Well, we will not talk about our behavior in the Middle East. It's nothing to do with the nuclear issue. Third precondition, we don't want to address the uh, missile uh, program. This is our right. So how to package this together, I think, will be the test for the incoming U.S. administration, whether they can build an international coalition. And I think I think this under these circumstances, it has to be wider than those P5 plus 1 which uh, uh, negotiated the JCPOA. We need to include certain countries from the Middle East to the equation, perhaps not directly as a negotiating partner, 
but with some side understanding that they can live with this result. And there is to be on top of that uh, a radical restriction for the uranium enrichment program. Indeed. On top General, of all those restrictions of the missile program. Indeed. Uh, General Kupelvasil, uh, with regard to a projected Biden administration, do you expect them to be more vigilant? Uh, than uh, during their uh, time uh, under uh, Obama administration, which actually negotiated this deal uh, with regard to a broader and more comprehensive uh, agreement that would be uh, also keeping in mind the regional actors. We heard, of course, the foreign minister of uh, uh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia calling for a uh, P5++, if you will, uh, adding also uh, Saudi Arabia into the mix, uh, including Germany, of course, Russia, China, France, uh, and uh, Great Britain. Uh, and uh, also, uh, or would it also be a possibility for P5++ and also bringing Israel into the mix uh, in order to uh, bring its own concerns? And uh, are all the options still on the table? Well... I think that uh, from the Iranian point of view, it's like Trump lost, we won. It's, uh, that they look at like look at it like that. They expect Biden to uh, re-enter the JCPOA at the original terms, and uh, and after he does that, and the Europeans do their job, then they will, as uh, Mr. Horan said, then they will uh, uh, do what they have to do and go back to the to the deal without any changes. Uh, I understand why some people within the Biden administration speak in a way that uh, make the Iranians feel that uh, this is what's going to happen, because this is the legacy of the former Obama administration. They most of them belong to that, and they were involved in the in the talks. Everything that Trump did has to be erased. So if Trump left the deal, we we should uh, re-enter the deal, and uh, they really believe uh, that uh, if we just speak with Iran, we shall be able to convince Iran to be a part, uh, partner to the international positive members of the international community, which is, of course, nonsense. Uh, so uh, they all believe that something like that can happen. But at the same time, I think it's very important if we want to uh, have a better deal to make clear to the Iranians that this was a wrong understanding of the situation. Trump lost, Biden won, not Iran won. And, uh, and uh, Biden has to learn the lessons of the weaknesses. And he says that there got to be some changes in the, in the agreement. He understands that. that it's not a, it was not a perfect deal and the, the Iranian behavior and everything we learned from the uh, nuclear archives that uh, Israel has brought from Tehran and uh, all the activities of uh, the Tehran ever since the Trump, even before Trump left and definitely after Trump left the, the agreement, all tells you that what are the real intentions of Iran. They don't hide them. So I think that uh, there's a good reason for, for the Saudis, for the Emiratis, uh, for the Bahrainis, for the Israelis, and for many others uh, to tell Biden, listen, don't make the mistake and make them believe that you are already in their pocket because you're not going to gain anything. It's uh, the, the way to, to move back, back into a, some sort of an agreement with the Iranians. And I don't think Israel and Saudi Arabia are against a deal, uh, against any deal. They are against a bad deal. And uh, there's a chance here, be, building on the maximum pressure and building on the clarification that all options are on the table and keeping Iran isolated until it is ready to behave itself and make certain changes 
in the in the agreement, like including the missiles, like including its uh, regional uh, behavior, like including its support for terrorism, and others. We have the 12 points of Pompeo. Uh, that that is something that should be clear clarified by uh, by uh, Biden and by his incoming uh, uh, State uh, Secretary of State uh, Anthony Blinken. That this is the policy that the United States will adopt in its attempt to make sure that Iran will not have neither the capability to produce nuclear weapons nor nuclear weapons uh, themselves. And that's uh, that's the, the need right now. Israel, in my mind, and Saudi Arabia don't have to be in the room. I don't think the Europeans should be in the room as well. It's between the United States and, uh, and Iran. Everybody is going to be watching what's happening inside the room. And everybody is going to give advice to the people in the room about what they need to do. And uh, the, the question is, who has the upper hand here? Now, what we see is that uh, there is some tendency on behalf of the incoming uh, American administration to uh, make concessions on the upper hand they have. They have inherited from uh, from, Ob- from uh, uh, Trump. I think this, in my mind, is, is not the best way to handle this very sensitive situation. Indeed. Uh, Dr. Bombs, uh we don't have very much time left, so I'll keep it uh, to two single points. Uh, General Kupelvessel spoke about uh, the projected Secretary of State under presumed uh, Biden administration, uh, a person who made it his life's mission to fight anti-Semitism, a son of Holocaust survivors. Will he allow a country that calls for the annihilation of the Jewish people to really attain weapons of mass destruction, or will he be more vigilant than an Obama administration? And to what degree do you believe that all of the options, we're all the time talking about a deal, are all the options on the table? I think there are a number of indicators showing that uh, President-elect Biden is not Trump, but is certainly not Obama. And I don't think that uh, he will give a free check to the Iranians. I mean, first of all, he has other important challenges in the world. He needs to deal with pandemic, he needs to deal with the economy, and he needs to keep the alliances in the region. And the region is not the same region. Iran is one of the issues that will come to the table, but it's not the only one. And when he needs to balance uh, between accommodating the JCPOA, even with some pressure on the Europeans, and on the other hand, accommodating the regional allies that are very important and their new realities that revealed, I think there is a good chance that uh, these interests will need to take into consideration. And if we need to pursue the JCPOA, it needs to be a different JCPOA. And I think the Secretary of State will be able to lead this. I very much hope that that's going to be the case. And I don't believe uh, that uh, they will go uh, blindfolded into this uh, exercise. Will the Americans this time around uh, once again try to appease their enemies at the expense of their allies? I hope that they have learned from their, t- from their mistakes, but I think we'll have uh, future programs to analyze that. Indeed. And uh, a last point uh, with regard to uh, uh, the, the political will in, in Jerusalem to act. Uh, we hear about covert uh, meetings in uh, different places. Uh, do you believe that there is a political will to build some sort of an alliance in order to confront Iranian influence? I believe that some of the recent meetings, including uh, the reports on an interesting meeting uh, between MBS uh, and uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, has to do with signaling to the Americans, 
to the region and to the Iranians, uh, to the new American administration in this regard, uh, that uh, the, the region is going to stand steadfast when it comes to uh, the Iranian issue uh, and that uh, the allies, uh, which includes the Saudis and the Emiratis, uh, would uh, expect a more assertive line from yeah. the Biden administration. Well, this is all the time that we have for today, so I'd like to thank General Kupelwasser, Dr. Heinonen, and Dr. Bombs for being with us in today's panel, and I'd like to thank our viewers as well, and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.